Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. Our state's public schools are facing critical teacher shortages and longer-term vac teaching vacancies than ever before. At the same time, enrollment in the state's teacher preparation programs continue to lag. In response, state leaders have been looking at ways to expand the teacher pipeline, including recruiting more out-of-state teachers and adding new pathways to teaching careers. This week, we're going to talk to several education leaders who are at the center of these efforts to discuss the challenges and the most promising solutions. Before we tackle our main topics, we open with headlines, our quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. A proposal to give teachers $400 a year for classroom supplies got very mixed reviews last week. The plan was unveiled at a press event by State Superintendent Mark Johnson flanked by Republican legislative leaders. One person noticeably absent was 2017 North Carolina Teacher of the Year Lisa Godwin, whose appearance had actually been touted. Turns out Godwin withdrew from the event after details about the program were shared, primarily that it was not new money for classrooms, but would take $37 million of the $47 million currently allocated to school districts for supplies. Now, Republican leaders say school districts misspend the supply budget, and this new plan will empower teachers. Godwin, as well as current Teacher of the Year Freebird McKinney, and most of the state board voiced concerns that the plan would actually leave teachers with less. Senate Leader Phil Berger wants to loosen the rules around the state's voucher program to get more state funds flowing to the mostly private religious schools. Last week, Senator Berger touted a new bill, Senate Bill 609, that would raise income el eligibility limits and remove requirements for previous public school attendance for voucher recipients. And finally, last week, the State Board, approved rule, state board of Education approved rule changes that will make it easier for out-of-state teachers to get a North Carolina teaching license. The plan, which we'll discuss on today's show, would grant teaching licenses to out-of-state teachers who have high scores on their state's licensure exam. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and read more about each of these headlines as well as all the other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, our public schools are definitely dealing with some challenges in recruiting and retaining the teachers our students need, but there are some serious efforts underway to try to help. And joining us first are two superintendents who are both living those challenges but are intimately involved in trying to find some solutions. We have Dr. Patrick Miller. Dr. Miller is the superintendent of Greene County Schools. He is also currently the chairman of the Professional Educator Preparation and Standards Commission the Pepsi Commission. We'll just call it Pepsi from now on. Um, and next to him is Dr. Aaron Fleming. Welcome back to the show, Aaron. Um, Aaron is the superintendent of Harnett County Schools, and he also sits on that commission. So you heard my setup, so that's what I want to talk about. I mean, first off, we really haven't talked about uh, Pepsi itself uh, much on the show, sort of explaining it. You're the chairman. You've, um, uh, you've been, I guess it's been in place now for, about a year? Since September 1st, 2017. Okay, so, so I guess first of all, just sort of in layman's terms, I looked at the legislation. What, was, what is the purpose and what is the charge of the commission? The purpose of the Pepsi Commission is to make recommendations to the State Board of Education in the areas of teacher licensure and educator preparation programs, or EPPs, uh, as we like to call them. Mm -hmm. So what, is your, what, was your, um, uh, what was your initial focus? I mean, I, I mean, I mean again, I know that sort of the genesis of the, the legislation itself, I, mean, I remember when Senator Barefoot introduced it. I mean, the whole, the whole point was to say, are we making it too difficult? 
to, right. to, to become a teacher in North Carolina. Was, is, that, was that your initial focus, is really kind of looking at what the, um, where were their barriers? Right, and one of the first items of business Pepsi had to tackle was aligning existing policy in the arenas of EPPs and teacher licensure to, to match uh, the, the statute uh, from Senate Bill 599. And that took us, it was an incredibly tight timeline, and it took us about the first, we started meeting in October of 2017, and I think we finally completed that work around May of 2018. So our first several months uh, of action was reactive. Now we're able to be a little more proactive with the things and the issues that we, we take on. Now, um, Aaron, as a, I mean, as a superintendent yourself, I, um, I'm presuming that the, the opportunity to serve on the commission was something that you, uh, you welcomed, at least an idea, because you, you see like sort of where perhaps some of the challenges are really firsthand. Absolutely. I think... Uh, once I was put onto to put onto the commission, I think one of the areas that I really was interested that we focus in is who exactly can we reach out to uh, to get new teachers into uh, the state and into uh, in my situation Harnett County. And so one of the as Dr. Miller had mentioned, one of the uh, goals was to really align all of our educator preparation programs. Who is approved? What are that? What's the process for approval? And now we're working on those programs that may not meet. Uh, exactly the, the quality control that we require, you know, what's the process there. And so definitely, once we've got the uh, EPP programs established, then we can work on what are the requirements for the teachers to become uh, certified in North Carolina as well. So it's, it's been a great opportunity to uh, serve on the commission. Well, that's a good, actually, wanna, let me just, let's make sure our, our, our viewers understand the difference here because we are talking about there are two different things. And in fact, I was thinking more about the, are the teachers, you know, certified and ready to go in the classroom? But you've actually been looking at, again, the educator preparation programs. Do we have the right standards for the existing ones? And then um, sort of what, uh, if, if we had new ones coming into uh, the market or just new teachers coming from other programs, that's what you were looking at. Right. Uh, one of the charges of, of the commission is to examine uh, teacher preparation. Uh, and that, for me, was something I had to learn about. And, we have numerous deans of colleges of education on Pepsi, and so I've had an opportunity to learn a lot from them about teacher preparation. But it's really about what can we all do together uh, to increase the pipeline to make it uh, feasible for teachers to come in. And also, within North Carolina, how can we get more teachers to enter the profession? Right. Well, um, Dr. Fleming, let me ask you. I mean, this is, it seems like one of the, um, I don't know, uh, pressure points or tensions that is, is sort of going to always happen is are you trying to change, lower the standards to increase the number of teachers coming in? Sort of where's that balance? Is that something that is, is that a big part of y'all's thinking about it? There, there have been conversations around that. I don't think the commission has a goal of lowering standards. I think what we want to be able to do is find the highest quality individuals out there that want to become teachers and to find the best teachers across our country and allow them to come to North Carolina without so many roadblocks. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of focus on uh, the math exam and, and the uh, pass and failure rate uh, of that exam, and that's one of the issues the commission uh, took upon us uh, in, in hearing those concerns. And so now teachers do have a choice uh, on which exam to take, but they're both nationally uh, recognized assessments uh, that teachers in other states are taking as well. And so 
I don't think it's certain. It's definitely not a lowering of standards. What it is, we're trying to find the highest quality person wherever it, wherever they may be. Right. Well, on the issue of lowering standards, I mean that was look. I mean that, the the first, at least the first public that I saw, I don't know, tension back and forth between um, the Pepsi Commission and the State Board of Education. You sent over a recommendation about out-of-state licensure. They sent it back. You sent it back again. I think they sent it back again, right? So, yep. But that just passed. I mentioned that in the headline. So tell me about that sort of, sort of where, what was the sort of uh, crux of that, let's say, disagreement and sort of where'd you end up? It, it wasn't really a disagreement. I think what state board members wanted was some assurances that we were not, in fact, uh, lowering standards. And how we ultimately compromised and got that passed was we made both tests available rather than eliminating one and mm -hmm. adding another, we made them both available so that the EPPs and or the candidates can choose which test they would prefer to take. And I think that, that that solved the issue. But there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of telephone calls and, and conversations. Well, that's important. Happened. I mean, you know, you got to get it right. Let me, okay, um, Dr. Flynn, let me ask you, now let's, let's switch gears a little bit more into your district yourself. Um, what is your experience right now? Uh, and I know and, and Patrick's been in this longer, but I mean, are you seeing are there more vacancies? Are you seeing fewer candidates? Is there are there certain things? Are your are vacancies longer? Kind of give me the the how the, what the, what's the on the ground in Harnett County? We typically always have some form of vacancy uh, when it comes to a certified educator, a teacher. Uh, what we're trying to do more now, and, and I think we've been able to work on that in this commission, uh, right now we have HR staff doing recruiting trips uh, in uh, the uh, Northeast and, and uh, Michigan, Ohio Valley right now as we speak. And I think that's an example of where now that we, there are some assurances where we're able to get these teachers in without too many roadblocks. Um, so yes, we do. We have a lot of uh, vacancies throughout the year, uh, but we've been able to close them, but we do have, through traveling outside the state to find teachers. Um, we are still struggling with Wake County right at our border. Uh, we do struggle with getting those teachers straight out of a North Carolina program uh, because they may want to be in a bigger uh, municipal area like Raleigh or Charlotte right. uh, or in the triad. But we're trying to do all we can uh, to fill that from internal but also having to go outside the state as well. What's your uh, priorities going forward? Couple things are on our plate right now. As you heard Dr. Fleming say, we're looking at uh, educator uh, preparation programs, accountability, and um, san what sanctions might be for those uh, EPPs that don't meet the outcomes uh, that uh, we have recommended to the state. And the outcomes meaning like either whether it's test scores of the teachers, uh, evaluations of them once they're in right. the classroom? I don't know exactly what they're going to but be something. yet because we haven't. Tomorrow okay. is the first uh, okay. presentation at our meeting that we'll hear about those, but we have all three of our subcommittees actively working in that arena as well as looking down the road to a licensure overhaul. Right. Well, very good. Well, um, let me ask just one, one last question for you, Dr. Fleming. Do you, are you looking at programs like, um, I know neighbor Johnston County, we had um, uh, Superintendent Renfro on not long ago talking about the 2 plus 2 programs, the community college partnerships. Are those things promising? I think those are something we can look at. I think they are. We've had uh, conversations with our local community college, since Carolina Community College, and Campbell University, in, uh, which is also, in, of course, right in the heart of Harnett County, uh, about doing that and growing our own education. So it's kind of, it's sort of getting, getting kids right out of high school into, a, again, a, a more affordable, quicker path into the first couple of years and then straight into an education program? I think we spent a lot of time in recent years working on 
pathways for careers in CTE, health occupations, all these different pathways, it only makes sense for us to add a, a pathway for education. I think it does too. Thank you both. Thank you both for being here thank and you. for what y'all do every day. So thanks so much. After a brief commercial break, we're going to be back to talk with two higher education leaders who are very engaged in teacher preparation efforts. But before we go to break, see if you can answer this question. True or false, the University of North Carolina system is the single largest source of our state's public school teachers. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Paragon Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer true? 42% of all public school teachers are prepared in one of the University of North Carolina schools of education. The next highest percentage is actually 24% from all other out-of-state colleges combined. We're going to continue our discussion of North Carolina's teacher pipeline with two higher education leaders. We have, first we have Dr. Anthony Graham. He is the Provost and Vice Chancellor for Academic Affairs at Winston-Salem State University. Welcome. And Dr. Diana Leese, she is the Assistant Dean for Educator Preparation and Accreditation at UNC Chapel Hill School of Education. So welcome, thank you both. Well, you heard the, um, and I should point out that Dr. Graham also sits on the Pepsi Commission. So you're, you are both, um, working in, in this as well as uh, helping sort of you know, plot things forward. Well, you saw a little bit of the, um, you saw our first interview with, um, uh, with Dr. Fleming and Miller. This whole issue of sort of what our educator preparation program should look like in the standards. As someone, and I'm going to start with you, um, Dr. Graham, you were actually, um, you were at A&T, I believe, before Winston-Salem State, but so you're, you're certainly aware. What is sort of the, the, the view from the state's educator preparation programs about this notion of, um, setting state standards and, and levels and things like that. Sort of what's your, your, your take on it? Certainly. Uh, the deans of educator preparation programs will tell you we're all about standards. We want to make sure that high quality, effective educators are what we're producing. Wanting to make sure that we're paying attention to content knowledge, content pedagogy, but also being attentive to diversity and how we respond to the needs of the learner, special education and so forth. So the way we go about structuring curricula, the way we go about uh, developing partnerships that are authentic with our K-12 public schools. All of those things are critically important when you're thinking about what's the recipe for producing that effective high-quality educator. Well, you, you, you touched on a couple things that I definitely wanted to ask you about, and one of those was the issue of, um, of diversity. So since you brought it up, I'll go ahead and, and I think that we've talked about on the show before, right now our, our current teaching workforce and it is largely unchanged over the last 20 years, mm -hmm. about 80 percent uh, white, 80 percent female, and teaching, at least in the public school system, a system that is uh, about 51 percent now students of color. Are there I guess what is Winston-Salem um, State doing, and then I'll ask you as well, Diane, how, sort of how do you go about thinking about talk, reaching out to those students um, who are either in high school now or maybe are entering college and then might want to go into a profession that would be a, a teacher of color? Sure, there are things we have to do differently. Uh, if you think about it, we began to introduce students to STEM careers in sixth grade. We began to introduce students to agriculture and business careers in sixth grade, as early as sixth grade. If you go to middle school and high school career fairs, very rarely do you see education as a profession that's being touted. Uh, so we have to begin to 
really orient and introduce students early to the education profession. The other thing that I think we need to pay attention to, I did a research study on this back in 2013, particularly asking high achieving black males who were 11th graders, do you see teaching as a viable career option? And overwhelmingly those students said no. And when we asked why, we thought we would find salary as the main driver. What we actually found was it had more to do with racial microaggressions. Mm. If you're an African-American male student, for example, who's high achieving, you find yourself being one of the only in a classroom. And you look around the school and you don't see a lot of black male teachers. You look around your classroom, you don't see a lot of black males there. And you begin to worry, if I do this as a career, will I once again be one of the only? Mm -hmm. And then if I add to that these notions of salary and this oppressive environment, is this really the environment for me? So there are things that we have to pay attention to, not only salary-wise, but socio-cultural, yeah, yeah. psychosocial as well. All the whole, well, uh, Dr. Lee, that's I mean certainly um, something you've I've seen you write and talk about the issue of professionalization of the teaching profession. Um, sort of how does that fit into this? I mean, Dr. Graham just kind of mentioned it about the idea of the overall atmosphere. How does sort of the professionalization of the teaching profession fit in? I think we need to find more ways to um, give opportunities for teachers to have growth in an education career. Today we're not preparing a teacher for a 30-year career in a classroom. We want to make sure that they have the best three years, five years, ten years in the classroom, and then give them the opportunities to grow within education into school leadership, counseling, higher ed perhaps. Um, so I think that's one way we can think about professionalizing education. I think all schools are, are facing challenges with recruiting diverse candidates to their programs. So another thing that schools of education can do is to make sure that they're instilling a, just, a social justice mindset in their teacher preparation program. So even if we're not able to um, adequately reflect the public school populations, that our teachers that are going out into the schools um, are understanding school and community context, that they're focusing on building relationships with those communities. Right. So I think that's an important part of our curriculum that we need to make sure that is uh, deeply entrenched. Are you concerned about the balance between standards? I mean, look, if we're talking about standards, I mean, as a as a EPP here in North Carolina, are you concerned about there being different standards for uh, programs that might come in? I mean, let's just say it, and compete, uh, take away students or potential teaching candidates from uh, Winston-Salem State? Absolutely, that is a concern. We want to make sure that regardless of what the preparer is doing, that they're meeting the same standards. Uh, that's a concern of Pepsi. That's something that we look at and discuss and have been deliberating. So regardless of who you are, the standard shouldn't change. Uh, we want to make sure that we're producing the absolute best teacher to stand in front of our diverse students across the state of North Carolina. Right. Diane, do we know how to evaluate a teacher coming out of a, uh, an EPP, whether they're going to be a good teacher or not? I think there's a lot of research around different ways of thinking about that. Um, I think one of the challenges is that we think that a test can do it. We already heard comments about licensure exams. I'm a big proponent of performance assessment. I think that that's a really wonderful way to gauge how well started a beginning teacher is going to be. Um, in the state of North Carolina, we have two options for that now. There's the EdTPA and PPAT, and um, preparation programs have had that opportunity to choose. Um, and some of the data from those has been linked to um, outcomes in the field, both uh, teacher performance, or excuse me, teacher evaluations by principals and student achievement. So I think that's a much better indicator for us than a licensure test. Are there things that you're that are on your mind, Dr. Graham? About, I don't. I hate to call them low-hanging fruit because none of this is easy. But do you think there are some things like I asked uh, Dr. Miller about, like you know they made the change on the test, or some things as a uh, you know, coming from higher ed that you would love to see if you could just 
make it happen? Are there some things you've thought about that would make things better for uh, the, the pipeline? Certainly. Uh, our partnerships with our P-12 schools is something I wish I could wave a wand mm -hmm. and really make that relationship more seamless. So what we're doing in higher education and our educator preparation programs mirrors what's happening in our P-12 schools and vice versa, uh, making sure that those relationships are much more strong, much more authentic. Uh, also giving mo more attention to this notion of performance-based assessments, making sure that we're providing that uh, quality feedback to candidates immediately based on the real world, what's happening in the K-12 classroom with students in front of them. So those are the types of things that are uh, low-hanging fruit for me. Another one is the Praxis Core examination. That's something that I personally have been interested in uh, for a long time. When you start looking at diversity in the teaching profession, the Praxis Core examination has actually been a barrier in terms of the number and percentage of students of color who are able to enter the teaching profession. Well, I mean, standardized testing, look, I mean, I think there's a lot of research. I mean, there, there are some issues with that. Look, we've been trying to eliminate high-stakes testing for students. Maybe we there's some of the mix for teachers. I mean, I like the idea of what you're talking about in terms of uh, really seeing a teacher in action mm -hmm. in, in the classroom. Is that what the, sort of the, the research, is that where it's heading? I hope so. I think that um, with uh, at UNC Chapel Hill we use the EdTBA. It is based off of the national board model. I think across the state of North Carolina we are a leader in national board um, certified teachers. So if we can um, help to shine a light on that um, pathway from being a well-started beginning teacher based on your EdTBA portfolio to looking at national boards which also brings with it a professional salary bump here still in North Carolina. That's a pathway for teachers to have longevity in the classroom. Right. I want to go back to the, uh, the, the the relationship within the P-12s and the because uh, I've actually talked to your dean, uh, Dean Abdukalak at Chapel Hill about this. Part of it is just the time, right? I mean, there's a, to, to fit it into that sort of student teaching, is that uh, is that really the barrier, is just trying to fit it in? Uh, yeah, I think it is part of the barrier, the, the time commitment, because it does take time. You have to be intentional, you have to be deliberate, it has to be ongoing, it can't be happenstance, it has to be something that's kind of baked in, if you will. So there is a time commitment, but there also has to be a commitment to do the work. Right. Uh, you can create the time, but if you're sitting around talking and not actually executing, right. then you're not achieving anything. So there has to be this commitment to really want to do something differently. And that's what I see with the Pepsi Commission. That's what I'm seeing with the advisory group for the UNC system. There's a commitment from these educators, uh, Diana Lease, for example, who were saying, we want to see something differently, and we're willing to invest the time, dedicate the time, and execute something to make it look different. Well, I appreciate both of your dedication uh, to, to this effort. It's incredibly important in what you're doing. And thanks for coming on the show to talk about it. So we'll, we'll talk Thank further you. as we move forward. After the break, this week's final word. Concerns about the teacher pipeline in North Carolina, like we discussed today on the show, are not new here in the state. In fact, the very first report the public school former North Carolina published in 1986, this is actually it right here, is called, Who Will Teach Our Children? In the introduction, it talks about an increasingly negative perception of the teaching profession, low pay, difficult working conditions, high turnover in the first five years, and a workforce nearing retirement. All this sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? That report included a series of policy recommendations. The creation of a North Carolina Teaching Fellows Program was one of the central proposals that we actually did do. In rereading the report, I was struck that most of the recommendations talked about the importance of emphasizing professionalization of teaching. It talked about a growing gap in teacher salaries compared to other de college degree professions. 
That gap is actually much worse today, by the way, and it's an area that North Carolina ranks near the bottom nationally. And the report focused on ways to develop career teachers right here in North Carolina with very little discussion at all about lateral entry. Now, the economy has changed dramatically since then, and everything needs to be on the table. But I believe a warning in the report from 30 years ago still rings true. It reads, rolling back standards just to have enough bodies in the classroom would be a tragic error. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.